Um, we're reading Ephesians 4, verse 7 to 24. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Good morning, everyone. It's good to have you all here. You can keep your Bible open to Ephesians 17. We're going to use that as the backdrop of what we're trying to do. Let's pray and then we'll have a look. Father, we thank you for the fact that you know us so well. Thank you that you understand what motivates us. Thank you that you um, are able and powerful and good and kind to help us to come to that understanding, to agree with you so that we may be set free, free from um, our own hardened hearts, free, Lord, from uh, our false beliefs, free from the things that we uh, unknowingly even pursue. And thank you that whatever you say, as we understand it better and better, as we listen, as we see it so clearly revealed in your Son, uh, we see life and we see goodness and we see eternity, and we see hope. And Lord, we pray that you will enable us to do that. Specifically today, will you help us to get a little bit of a better understanding about ourselves, um, so that we may benefit uh, moment by moment uh, from your grace in Christ Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, we are running a little short series called Gospel Fluency. So we're talking about the ability to talk the gospel to yourself and to everybody else around you uh, because God actually wants us to grow into the image of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So last week we looked at the whole idea of just getting used to listening and trying to understand. And we saw basically that the world's message is simply this, that if you do something, you will be able to become something. This is the basic line. That is the line of Satan in the Garden of Eden. Uh, If you eat this fruit, uh, you will become like God. So there's the false lie from the word go. Uh, The world keeps on telling us that uh, if you have more of the world, if you have uh, more excitement, more stuff, uh, more experiences, go to beautiful places, uh, you will be fulfilled. You will have life. It will be good. Um, Even our own hearts tells us the same idea. Whatever I can do and whatever I can accomplish, those are the things that will give me my identity. And therefore I will be uh, excited and I will have life. Now the Bible tells us that um, that is obviously not the truth. God is much better than that. God has given us every single thing. He's made us in his image. 
And as we live out of that reality, we discover the glory and the splendor of life. And so in this section in Ephesians, uh, comes at a very important juncture in the letter. Because he's recognizing that God has started a new work in people. He's brought them to an understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what is so amazing is that the way in which we operate from moment to moment are actually still very much in line with the story that we keep on telling ourselves that we can, by what we do, get life, find more of life. And so I want us just to have a quick squiz, because here in this section, your heart determines your behavior. What you treasure in your heart, meaning what you believe in your heart, is that you express in your emotions, what you express in your behavior, um, and that is just the reality of how we work. So have a look and just come with me. Uh, to look, pick it up there in verse 17 of Ephesians. I just want you to follow the logic very quickly. We're not going to spend too much time in the text as such because it is so rich. If you want to know more, you have to come tonight. So hopefully enticing you to get a little bit more. But just think how, just look at how carefully constructed this thing works. So he says, So I tell you this and insist on in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. We'll come back to that just now. They are living, or the word rather is they are walking in the futility of their thinking. All right. So wh- how do they live? You live by what you think, isn't it? Whatever you think is how you are going to live. They are walking in the futility of their thinking. Futility simply means something that is not essentially good and will not last forever. That is futile. Anything that you pursue that is not essentially good, meaning therefore like God, and does not last, is futile. Isn't it? You're going to come to an end. You may spend enormous amount of energy in it, but in the end of the day, it will not produce what is essentially good, the nature of God, and it will not be eternal. So you're actually wasting your time. That's really what it's saying. All right? Why do people think and pursue life that is not essentially good, that is good according to them, and we'll come back to that just now, and what is not eternal. Why are they doing it? Look at what he tells you. He explains. So it's almost like an onion. You've got to peel it from the outside to get to the inside, and we've got to maybe walk it backwards again. All right? They are futile in their thinking because their understanding is in the dark. Your thinking is based on what you understand. Your reasoning is based on your basic understanding of things. The basic understanding of the people naturally is dark. Why? Because they are, tell you, separated from the life of God. It's not a God-centered, God-orientated understanding of life. All right? So that leads to you being darkened in your understanding about the nature of life, which leads to you being futile in your planning as you try and find life. Does that make sense? So I keep on going in and out. All right? Why are they separated from the life of God? The next line tells you, because they are ignorant. And that ignorance is inside them. And that ignorance is based on their hardened hearts. Can you see how it works? So your heart makes you believe longful things that makes you ignorant because it is, you are separated from the life of God, which expresses in the fact that you are darkened in your understanding and therefore your thinking and your planning is futile. Make sense? 
that reality, that's an inner thing. You can't see that. You can only see the outward sign of that, but you can't see that reasoning happening on the inside. Now look at what he says, the next line, verse 19. Having lost all sensitivity, so your heart is aware that there's more to life than what you can do and think and accomplish. Is it true? Your heart knows that. There must be more to what I can gain and have. Your heart tells you that. But because you are hardened in your heart, you've lost the sensitivity for how important God and God's life is in life. And so what happens is you give yourself over to sensuality. You live by your senses. You live by what you can see, what you can touch, what you can smell, what you can taste, what's the other one? What you can hear. So you are trying to think that life can be lived to its full in what I can experience from moment to moment. So you hand yourself over to believe that if I have more joys, I'll have more life. If I have more money, I'll have more life. If I have more sex, I'll have more life. That's how people live. Because they, in their hearts, have, don't believe that God is absolutely central. Their hearts are hardened. They've lost sensitivity of how to reason. They're giving themselves over to their senses. They're trying to, interesting the way they put it here, they give themselves over and to indulge in every kind of impurity. It's a very interesting thing. We, we mix up the order of things, is really what he's saying. We're trying to find life by changing the order of how life works. Life always originates from God, but we think we can mix it up, change the order, have life in a different way. So if you go back to Genesis chapter 3 again, brilliant. God, man, woman, creation. The fall flips it over. Creation, woman, man, God. We think we can find life by changing the order of how life works, that everything comes from God, happens on his terms, and therefore it is essentially good and eternal. We play with the order of things. And so, what we find in ourselves is we have a craving for more and more. They use the word last year. It's a bit of a, a different word. The word is really, they have a continual craving for more. Now, that is the reality of how human beings live. You can see it in how they live. Now he says, you as Christians should no longer live like that. Naturally, that's your natural way of living, but God has stepped into life by the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't live like that any longer. You are living like that. If you don't stop living like that and start living by Christ, you will live like that. Does that make sense? So here's the overflow, here's the overlap in ourselves. And now he tells us in verse 20. So here comes the positive side. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard him, not of him. You heard him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. What did he teach you? You are now able, because of the truth as it is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, this whole pattern of heart, ignorance, separated from the life of God, darkened understanding and futile thinking, you don't have to live like that anymore. Because Christ has come to change that. You can now actually, because of him, if you are in him, on him, through him, you don't have to live like that any longer. So you can put off that old life. 
You can have a change of the attitude of your mind. Your thinking is now changed. You now know life is dependent on God. Only God is good. Only God is eternal. So I need to put God first. I need to have Him clear. And I do it only because of Jesus Christ. And then I find myself, my entire life starts to change. You see how he puts it? You were taught in regard to your former way of life to put it off. To stop it. Because the language he uses there, it constantly will lead you to corruption. If you just let yourself go, you will follow the old pattern of your thinking and behavior and assessment, and that's how you will live. That's what he's saying. Romans 12 says it differently. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, because that's what you would do. You would think like the world. You would think like what is natural for human beings. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now that you've understood that life actually comes from God, and God's grace comes from God, and God's kindness comes from God, change your mind, so that when you live, you may put on the new self, the new man, as he puts it in verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and be put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And there the phrase is also a bit weak. It really seems to be made like God in the truth as it is in Christ, the righteousness and holiness of Him. That's absolutely incredible, isn't it? To the extent that you know your own story, to the extent that you can see where your thinking and your behavior in every aspect of your life still reflects the old pattern, to that extent, as you come to Christ, you can be transformed. Does it make sense? I cannot change your mind. Neither can you. But you can admit that my life is a reflection of what I believe. And then go to Christ, and He is able to change you. You see what I'm saying? I can't change you. All I can point out to you, and to myself, is where my life does reflect what I believe. Because your real life reflects what you believe at any given moment. That's a fascinating thing. It's a big shock. Your emotions and your behavior is a reflection of what you now believe and trust and long for. And to the extent that your emotions and your behavior is not the same as the life of Christ, to that extent you don't at that moment walk in the life of Christ but you walk by what is the natural pattern of your thinking. Does that make sense? Are you with me? It's incredible, actually. It's quite a shock to our systems. But on the other hand, it is our salvation. The more I know the story that I am living by, the better chance there is that I will take that story of mine and go take it to Christ, and He is the one who can change that story. Therefore, you will change my emotions and my behavior. Because your emotions and behavior is a direct result of what you trust. Not what you know you ought to trust, but what you actually trust at that moment. And that's a little bit hidden in our hearts. 
And that's why we need the scriptures, that's why we need the spirit, and next week we'll talk about that's why we need one another. We'll come back to that issue. The incredible reality is, is that all of us are in this, if you're a Christian, you are in this war of what you live by and what Christ has come to do for you. And that's really what I'm trying to highlight in the gospel in me, in the everyday aspect of life. My fruit, which is my emotions and my behavior, is the reflection of the roots where I'm standing in that moment. So I find myself, I'm all over the place. In some places it's very easy for me to have the fruit of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ because I'm in the Lord Jesus Christ. It takes me two and a half seconds. Then I'm not there because in my mind and in my belief I am not in Christ. Now I'm back to live this old life. And here's the Gospel. The Gospel says Jesus Christ has got power to remove the penalty of sin from you. But he's got power to remove the power of that lie that you are now currently believing as well. And to be able to set you free. So that's the interesting thing. So one of the amazing things is that God gives us, as I said last week, he gives us a feedback loop to ourselves. You look in the mirror and you see your attitude. That attitude is a direct result of what you are at that moment believe and what you trust and what you pursue at that moment. Do you believe that? I use this very silly example with my daughter, trying to tell her how we don't see and interpret life through what we see with our eyes or hear with our ears, but with our hearts. Very simple. I said to her, okay, we're sitting around the table, and I steal her broccoli. How would you feel about it? Very happy. She's excited about the fact that I just stole her broccoli. All right? But what if I steal her ice cream? Now, in both instances, I stole. Why are you only upset about the one? Because you've got no value for broccoli. But you've got a high value for ice cream. You see how your heart reflect, is reflected in your behavior. If she was really someone who believes God's word and was really in Christ, she would have felt exactly the same about both of them. Because in both instances, I did what was evil in God's sight. But because of her heart, commitment, she can't. Or you don't. You can, but you don't. You see, I mean, it's a silly example, but you get the drift? Here's the wonderful thing. You are a reflection, moment by moment, of what you believe to be true about Jesus Christ. That is an incredibly wonderful thing. So you never have to be confused. Am I now walking with Christ or not? Am I in Christ? Am I in the gospel story or am I not? Very simple to know. What is your attitude? What is your feelings? What is your behavior? Is it truth? 
love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, service? Or is it anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred, coldness, indifference? At that very moment, your life reflects what you believe the story is that God is busy with and whether you trust Jesus Christ or not. Incredible. Very helpful, isn't it? You don't have to be confused about yourself anymore. You will know. If you look, just look to yourself. But here's the wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has come to set you free. He has the power to set you free from that false story you believe in and trying to live. You will have His life in you when you live by and through Him. If you live from your own heart, you will be darkened. You will be ignorant. You will be separated from the life of God. Your thinking will be futile. Because you will scheme for something you think is better than the very life of Jesus Christ himself. That's what we do as Christians even. And so the whole argument here is, you don't need to do this any longer because of Jesus Christ. You don't have to suffer like that any longer. You can be set free moment by moment by the powerful gospel of salvation to Jesus Christ. Isn't that unbelievable? So what story are you telling yourself? God has said in Jesus Christ, I've come to give you a completely different story and experience of life. But the one you believe is the one you will act out. It's there. It's given. That's what Paul is saying. That's why we need to keep on coming back to the truth as it is in Jesus the truth is, Jesus Christ is able to set you free right now. That's true. But I've got to be in Him. I can't try and be double-minded. One a bit of Him and a bit of the world. A bit of what He says and a bit of what I want. A bit of His mind and a bit of my mind. A bit of His understanding and a bit of my understanding. See, that's, I think, what we often try to do. I mean, I'm guilty as anybody, trying to have this double standard. And yet He tells us, and if you read the rest of Ephesians... He's going to give you a whole host of opportunities to see how Christ comes to set you free. And the first one is about lying. Stop lying to one another. If you lie to someone, it is because you believe something other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. You believe by your scheming you could get a life. That's why you lie, otherwise you wouldn't. Fascinating, isn't it? It's incredibly powerful how God helps us to actually, what story am I telling myself right now about what life is all about? Where does it come from? Where does it originate? How is it going to last? How is it going to be eternal? Does it come through Christ or does it come through my efforts? Do I get my identity from Christ or do I get my identity from what I do and aspire and long for and scheme for? Is that where I get life? That's the interesting question that we ask ourselves a million times a day, and that's why the scriptures keep on telling us to do that. So, yeah, look just very quickly. Let's flip back 
two, just a hover book. It's uh, Galatians chapter 5. It's just one of those lists. It is one of the fantastic things. There are all these lists in the Bible that will help you to understand at this very moment you are not living by the gospel. If you do these things, feel these things, have these ambitions in your heart, you're not living by the gospel. And you are robbing yourself of the joy and the power of salvation in that moment. So look at chapter, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. If you are sexually immoral, meaning you want sex outside of marriage, you are not living by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are not in Christ. You are not living Jesus' story. You are living your own story. Because you believe if I have more sex, have more joy, have more of this, then I'll have life. That's what you believe. So that's why you want to act it out. Why you dream about it. Why you contemplate it. Why you plan about it. Impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Do you cause frictions? <laughs> Fascinating stuff, isn't it? Envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So by your own emotions and experience, you can go to Romans chapter 1. Here's a long list of things. And there's some nice ones because there they put gossip and murder right next to one another. See, if I gossip, at that very moment I believe a different story than the story of life that comes only and perfectly and securely and eternally through Jesus Christ. Otherwise I won't. See how interesting it is? How unbelievably God's word helps us to judge ourselves aright. He has come to set us free in Christ Jesus. And so we are in this war. And so, verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you experience in your spirit not that, then you are not living by the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Spirit. But you can. Because Jesus Christ has come. To set you free from your thinking right now. That's unbelievable. There is nothing that you need to do to be set free from that sin right now. But to believe Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Is that the gospel that you have in your spirit, in your heart? That Christ has come to set you free right now from that. You don't have to do anything. He's done it. In Him, there's freedom from that thinking and that emotion and that behavior now in Him. I take it, if you're like me, you don't believe that. Well, I catch myself in this position, I believe, help my unbelief. Because I still excuse myself. Jesus, you don't have to excuse yourself. I can set you free as you walk with me. In me is life. In me is forgiveness. In me, I've done everything that you need in me. I don't love my wife. I'm not walking by the Spirit. Because Jesus Christ is love. So I can now keep on saying, well, she doesn't deserve it, which she probably doesn't, okay? So I can justify myself. And 
the consequences is coldness, bitterness. Just hang around one another. Or Christ could set me free because he has changed my story and what I believe life is essentially all about and I could actually manage to love her. Don't respect your husband? Same story. At that moment, you believe a different story. You believe it's not true. The gospel is not true. I can find life eternal without Jesus Christ. That's what you believe at that moment. Because if you didn't believe it, you wouldn't have done it. So isn't this unbelievably weird, wacko, amazing, terrifying? No excuses. But I master in excuses. And yet, I don't have the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ to obey God. Jesus, it is my joy to obey my Father. I've come to set you free so that it will be your joy to have my life in you and to share it. We've heard this morning of those who don't deserve it. Unbelievable what the gospel says. And that's why I want us to wrestle with this thing. When we talk about this fluency of the gospel, how fluent are you to correct your own grammar, your own story, your own emphasis, so that the gospel will set you free? God has come to set you free from what you are now believing because he is the answer to everything. And so that last little thing there at the bottom, trying to capture, you see, you can't do this once. You lose your first love, your heart grows cold, you've got to go back to the gospel because you will go back to your default mode. It's like a computer program. It will go back to the default. You have to keep on upgrading it by the gospel. You have to keep on coming back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that last little thing is just very simple. Just trying to say that. You ask yourself, what am I doing here? What am I experiencing right now? We can pick anyone. Anxiety. I'm anxious about my kids. I'm anxious about the country. I'm anxious about the economy. I'm an- whatever. Whatever you're anxious about. Right? You're anxious. Right? You're anxious. It's fine. Say, I'm anxious. Right? Maybe you're not. Maybe you're angry. Women... 80% of women tend to get more anxious than angry. 80% of men get more angry than anxious. But then it flips around. Okay? So we don't have to go into all those details. But that's normally how it works. Men tend to respond in anger. Women tend to respond in anxiety. 80-20 principle. All right. So if you are angry and frustrated, why are you angry and frustrated? What are you believing about yourself now that you are angry and frustrated? that I must be able to produce life, control. Isn't it? If you didn't believe it, why are you angry and frustrated? If you didn't expect to be able to control the outcome of where you are, you wouldn't be angry and anxious, would you? So what is it that you're believing about Jesus Christ at that very moment? You stop caring. At that moment, you stop loving. I'm alone. I have to find the resources to make this thing work. Jesus is not there. Because you know what? If I think further back, I think God is unloving. 
God is uncaring. Maybe God is impotent. Maybe God can't do anything about this situation. God has maybe abandoned me. You see where this thing is going? All of that is an outflow of what you believe. Your fruit is the expression of what you believe, your roots. That's how it is. That's good news. So now you can know it. Now you can go back and say, well, what is God really like? God is love. Right? How do you know that? Because it's going all right with your life? So what if it doesn't go right with that? Then he isn't love. So how do you know if God is love? You know that he's loved by what he's done and said in Christ Jesus. And this is love, that God sent his son into the world to become a sacrifice of atonement for those who don't deserve it. How do I know God is love? Well, that's how I know. How do I know God is powerful? God is in control. If my life sucks, which I'm not allowed to say anymore, if my life is not the way I think it should be, and you come and tell me God is in control, does it help me or does it make me even more confused? Will you worship a God that allows a world to be like this if he's in control? No wonder the atheist says, of course you want to believe in a God that allows a world to be like this. Go for it. I'm not interested. And he's right, isn't it? How do I know God's control? And how is that good news? I go to what God has done in Christ Jesus. God's control is that his aim for mankind is to be able to live a perfect life without sin. And that he's accomplished in Christ Jesus. There's control. There's power. Someone who said, I will lay my life down willingly for those who sin. That is control and power. The one who says, I will take up my life again through the resurrection. That's control and power for mankind. How do I know that I go to Christ? You see what you have to do? You have to repent. You've got to climb down. You've got to know your experience and be honest with yourself and then work it backwards. What do I say about myself? What do I say about Christ? What do I say about God? Because at this moment, I believe my, my emotions and behavior is an expression of what I believe. But that is that the truth. Well, if you believe it's the truth, then you'll act it. If you believe the gospel, if you believe what God has done through Christ Jesus, it changes everything. Now I know I am loved because if God did not love me, I would be in hell. According to the gospel. I'm loved in Christ Jesus. In him I am more than a conqueror. Not even death can separate me from him. In Christ Jesus, he has come to be with us, Emmanuel. He's come to send his spirit into us. He's with me and he's in me. I'm never, ever alone. Even when I feel like it. Because my feelings is based on what I believe. You see how it works? And then what will happen to you? 
If you know God's love in Christ Jesus, if you know his power and control in Christ Jesus, if you know his presence in Christ Jesus for you, what will that do to you? What will it do to your heart and to your mind? Well, you'll act out that love. You'll act out that kindness that you've received. You see, you have received that your identity is in what he's given you, and now you're living it out. It doesn't matter if the other person deserves it or not, because that's who you are now. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. See how incredible this stuff is. See how much you need to talk to yourself. How fluent are you in the gospel? We rob ourselves of the joy and the wonder and the power of the gospel. It says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. How many of us experience that power moment by moment? It's available. <laughs> You're shooting yourself in your foot. We shoot one another in our feet when we don't tell one another the gospel. And that's what we really want to have a look at. You see, here's the interesting thing. In everything you face in life, listen to this very weird statement. People ask Jesus, what must we do to do what God requires? John chapter 6. Interesting question, isn't it? Our natural reaction is to say, mm, Love. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbors yourself. Or uh, let's be kind. Or let's be honest. Or whatever. You know what Jesus says? Believe in me. You will not be able to live out any command that God gives without faith in Jesus Christ. But here's the good news. You will be able to experience and obey every command that God gives through faith in Jesus Christ. Believe in me. The work we are to do is to believe that life is in Christ Jesus. If God gives you a command, you will not be able to do it until and unless you believe in Jesus Christ. But believing in Jesus Christ will enable you to do every command gladly that he says. So his commands are no longer burdensome. Because your life has been given to you in the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That is good news. You never have to suffer the consequences of your own stupidity, your fertility of your thinking, based on the darkened understanding, because you are no longer separated from the life of God, because you no longer are ignorant in your heart about life. You have found it all in Christ. You no longer have to give yourself over to sensuality with the desire that if I have more and can do more, I could have life. It's all been given to you in Christ Jesus. How well do you know the gospel story to be able to draw yourself up short and experience the power of the salvation that is available in Christ Jesus? Let's pray together.
Father, our, also our response wants to be to this. We believe, Jesus, we help our unbelief. In Christ, you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. We quote those verses. You are telling us that we can experience in an ever-growing way as we die to our old pattern of thinking and living and we are living and basing our entire existence on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why he's come, so that we can do it, so that we can have it. Because he's given it to us. Lord, we pray that we will grow in our ability to quicker catch ourselves in the story we believe so that we may repent, so that we may dig into what is it that drives my behavior and my emotions right now and to discover afresh and new again the glory and the power and the kindness and the truth that is in Christ Jesus so that we can be set free, so that now we live not in order to get, but we live because we already have and it can never, ever be taken away from us. In Christ Jesus we have life. Help us, Lord, to talk this through for ourselves better so that we may actually also grow in doing that for one another as we will look at it next week. So here we are, Lord. We stand absolutely amazed at the fact that your gospel is powerful to save us. It is able to save us from sin now and forever. So won't you help us to learn to become aware what story we are telling ourselves so that we may, like Christ, manage to be completely different because in Christ we are completely different. We no longer evaluate anything by the way of the world and the way of Satan and by our own hearts. We now evaluate everything through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make us more fluent, Lord. Make us stronger. Make us clearer so that we may have more joy in you and that we may glorify you in all our feelings and in all our doings because we live from him whom you have given us freely. So to you belong glory, to you belong honor, Lord, to you belong thanks, to you belong our repentance, to you belong everything, and we give it to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.